You're listening to the Hui Kala Baptist Church podcast coming to you from the heart of Honolulu. Hui Kala is a committed family of faith that loves Jesus and loves one another. Grab your Bible and prepare for preaching from the Word of God from Pastor Anthony King. Right, great job, ushers. Grab your Bibles and turn to the book of First uh, Peter, if you would, this morning. Uh, we're continuing our series entitled "Regift." We're taking a look at the gifts that we've been given and how we're supposed to pass those along to others. We find ourselves today in First Peter, chapter number four. If you missed uh, the message last week, we took a look at how we're to regift love, uh, and we, uh, if you missed that, you can get caught up on our website at huicala.org. You can uh, download our uh, podcast uh, app or our, our church app uh, to your phone or your tablet and get caught up that way. Uh, whatever you do, don't miss out on any of these messages. First Peter chapter 4, uh, we're going to start in verse number, verse number 7 this morning. First Peter chapter 4, verse number 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Just pause for just a second. Uh, Peter wrote this uh, ballpark-ish, 2,000-ish years ago, right? And Peter says 2,000 years ago, hey, guys, we're living in the end times, so you need to, to be serious. Now, that was 2,000 years ago. He said this is the, Jesus is coming back any day. How much more so is Jesus coming back today than he was 2,000 years ago? Every day that goes by, we're closer to the return of Christ. And he says, hey, guys, we're living in the end times, so be serious uh, about living for Jesus. Verse number eight. And above all things, have fervent charity among yourselves, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. And hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any minister, let him do it as the ability which God giveth, that God in all things might be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. I live a, a pretty crazy life, I guess you would say, as far as my schedule is concerned. Uh, uh, most mornings I get up at about 5 a.m. Most times I try to be in bed by uh, 10, 30, 11. doesn't always happen that way. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, uh, we had a Wednesday, uh, Wednesday night Bible study like we do every week, and uh, it had gone a little bit longer than normal, and I had a couple meetings after that, and I hadn't eaten all day, and my day was kind of thrown off, and some things just happened throughout the day that I was frustrated. Anybody ever have days like that? Just nothing seems to click, nothing seems to fire, and on top of it all... I was starving to death. So you take angry and you put it together with hungry and you get angry. You know it, right? And so it's about, uh, I don't know, probably about 9.15 or so. And I told my wife, I said, hey, I've had a rough day. Let's go grab a bite to eat. And I just want to eat and crash. And she said, let's do it. So uh, we walk to a, to a restaurant and uh, I look at the door. They close at 10. It's 9.15. And so we open the door. We go, hey, we need a table for two. They said, oh, our dining room's closed. You can get takeout if you want. I don't want to take out. I want to, I want to sit down and eat. Oh, well, our dining room's closed. And I said, here's how, what kind of day I was having. Why? Well, when we get close to closing time, we shut down the, the dining room. It's 9.15, you close in 45 minutes. And she just sits there and stares at me. We can get takeout. I don't want to take out. And so I walked out. Oh, I was mad about it. So I was like, Fine. And so uh, we, uh, we drive a little ways. And I, I said, hey, I, I'm going to go grab a burger over here at this restaurant. I'm going to go pull in. They're closed already. 
And I look, and it's like 940 at this point. I'm just like, you've got to be kidding me. So I think there's probably something open at the mall that we go to. We uh, do what everybody does when they're hungry. They open up the Yelp app on their phone and begin to look and see what's open now, what's closing soon, and things like that. Everything in the mall that I would want to eat is closing. How many of you know that? Like, I'm, I'm starving to death, but there's a certain thing that I want. Not just anything. I just want something, right? And so finally, all of my options being exhausted, uh, we're, we're sitting on P.E. Coy uh, and King Street there, and I look over and I see the jack-in-the-box, and I thought, you know what, jack-in-the-box is always open. <laughs> and you never choose to go to jack-in-the-box, am I right? You never choose, you never like sitting in the home and go, mmm, jack-in-the-box sounds great, right? Nobody ever does that. It's like convenience food. It's like you'd never choose this for yourself, but it has chosen you tonight. And so that's what happened. Jack, I didn't choose Jack in the Box. Jack in the Box chose me. And so uh, we were sitting at the drive-thru, uh, and, and it's a ridiculously long drive-thru. I mean, like cars spilling out into the street. I'm thinking to myself, do I really even want to wait this long for Jack in the Box? But I'm starving to death. I've had a crummy day, and all I want to do is eat. And my wife is just like, just chill out, just calm down. She's like, okay, it's fine. And so we finally get up to, to, the, uh, uh, to the place where you order. And I'm, I'm a finicky eater in the fact that when I get a burger, I just want a plain burger. I don't want anything on it. Uh, if you want to put anything on it, you can put ketchup on it, that's it. I don't want no cheese. I don't want no nut- nothing on it. Don't mess with my burger. Just meat and bun. That's all I want. And so I pull up there. And I said, I need the, uh, the double cheeseburger with no cheese, only ketchup. That should be easy, right? And she said, okay, one double cheeseburger. No, no, no. One double cheeseburger with no cheese and only ketchup. And she says, got it. Okay, great. Is everything right on the screen? I look on the screen, it says double cheeseburger. Well, everything's right on the screen except for the fact that it doesn't say no cheese, only ketchup. And she says, oh, okay. And so she puts double cheeseburger, only ketchup on the screen. Is everything right on the screen? No, it's not. According to the screen, I'm getting cheese on my burger and I don't want cheese on my burger. And she says, okay, hold on for just a minute. And I go silent. I'm just sitting there going, how difficult is this? Don't put the cheese on it, right? And so I wait, I wait. She comes back on. She's like, okay, just pull forward. But, but there's no cheese on this burger, right? She goes, yeah, that, yeah, we got it. Just pull forward. Okay, great. And when I leave, this, the sign still says, you know, cheese. And so we get, uh, and so uh, the guy comes and hands me my, my, my bag. I, you know where this is going, don't you? Do you know where this story's going? The guy hands me my, my burger, and mind you, there's 18 cars behind me, and I'm just trying to be polite. I'm not going to take the 30 seconds that it takes to stop and open up my burger and make sure that it's right before I hand it back to the guy. I don't want to hold everybody up because everybody else is hangry too, right? And so I'm considerate. I just pull a little bit forward so the car behind me can pull forward as well. And Angela opens up my burger, and you know what she says? It's got cheese. And I go, no, it doesn't. And she says, it really does. And so I said, great, no problem. Uh, I'll go in and get it fixed. And so I go around, and I walk to the front door, and I go to pull the door, and it's locked. <laughs> and I'm sitting there like, okay. And so I look, and I'm looking, and what time do they close? Oh, the, they're open 24 hours, but the dining room closes at 10. So I'm standing here with a burger in my hand that I'm not going to eat, that I, and I'm just sitting there, I'm angry, I'm angry. Oh, man, I was hangry before. Now I've just gone to straight rage, right? <laughs> and so I think, fine, the door's locked. I'm going to be considered or not, not going to be that guy that bangs on the door and makes a scene, and I'm just going to get back in the drive through line, and I'm going to get my burger the way that I wanted it. I go to walk back to the car, and there are now cars out in the road down the block at the drive through and I just see red, and I'm walking back to that front door, and my burger at this point has finger marks in it where I just gripped it so hard, and I, I walked up to that door, and I went to bang on the door like this, and I thought to myself, stop it, Anthony. It's a hamburger. Just stop. And I, 
oh. And so I just knocked. And they looked and they go, no, like that. And I go, yes. And I held my burger up. And they, they stand there and nobody's coming. Nobody's coming. They see me standing there with my burger in my hand and nobody's coming. And I just get angrier and angrier and angrier. And there's these teenagers that are sitting in there eating and I knock on the door and they ignore me too. It's just like, well, am I invisible to everybody here? And so then finally these teenagers finish their meal. I'm standing here for a good solid six, seven minutes waiting because I'm going to get my burger fixed. And so I'm standing there and finally these guys finish their meal and they get up and they leave. And when they leave, they, I run around and they open the door to get out. I grab the door and open it back up and I walk to the counter and they say, I'm sorry, sir, our dining room's closed. I said, oh no, you need to fix my burger. Our dining room is closed right now. No, no, I went to the drive-thru 15 minutes ago. And the guy's just like, sir, you don't have to get upset. I said, okay, I'm sorry. I just need a hamburger with two pieces of meat on it. You don't even have to put ketchup on it. I can do that myself. Two pieces of meat, no cheese at all. And he goes, so you want a double cheeseburger? I do not want a double cheeseburger. <laughs> double hamburger, if you want to call it that, but don't put cheese. He's like, okay, it's fine, it's fine. And so he makes a burger, and he, he gives it to me. And I go in the car, and I sit down, and it's like 1030 at this point. It's taken me nearly an hour and a half to sit down and eat a jack-in-the-box burger. Oh, man. You talk about frustrated. Have you ever had a day like that where just nothing falls into place and you want to take out your rage on some poor teenager that's there working the 10 o'clock shift at jack-in-the-box? It's not their fault. When we are done wrong in life, whether it's something like somebody messing up your food or whether it's somebody doing something really, really bad to you, we always have a choice. I can give this person what is coming to them or I can choose to give them grace. I can just say, hey, this isn't that big of a deal. It's fine and move on. The problem is many times we want people to get what's coming to them. We want to give somebody a piece of our mind. While I'm standing there gripping my burger, I'm thinking of all the things I'm going to say to that manager. I'm not even going to talk to the person in the front. I need to see a manager right now. I'm beginning to think all the things in my mind that I'm going to say. I'm beginning to think about the negative Yelp review I was going to leave. And I was going to take a picture of my receipt and a picture of what I received and, the, and tell everybody what I told this person at the drive-thru who confirmed on four separate occasions that there would be no cheese on my burger, but I still And I'm thinking how I'm going to get even. And you know what I really needed to do? Just give grace. Can you imagine me beating and banging on the door and screaming and yelling, you driving past and go, Hey, I think that was pastor I saw out there. <laughs> Can you imagine me kicking the door open and you flip on Hawaii News Now, local pastor arrested for assault and breaking and entering at a jack-in-the-box? Really? But that's the kind of day I was having. God says, don't do that. God says, there have been many times where he did not give us what was coming to us so we need to take the grace that we've been given and pass it along. That's the idea of regifting God's grace. We've received a gift that is so good to us, now it's time to pass it on to other people as well. You see, oftentimes at Christmas time, we regift things that we don't want. Uh, some, one Christmas, we got uh, from four separate people, four boxes of those, or four of uh, the tins of those little, uh, it's the, the blue tin with the yellow cookies on the inside that are butter and they're shaped in a circle. You know what I'm talking about? We got four of those. Okay, I like them like the first time around. I can eat maybe uh, three or four of them. I can't eat four tins of them. So what do we do? We pass them on to other people. Put a bow on it and make sure that we didn't give it to the same people that gave it to us. <laughs> that would have been bad. Uh, but we regifted. 
because it was something that we didn't want. Here's a gift that we've been given that we greatly need, that we greatly want, that now we have the opportunity to pass on to someone else. Uh, Peter even says in verse number 10 that we are the stewards of the manifold grace of God. That means we're the managers of God's grace. God has grace that he wants to hand out to people and he wants you and I to help him distribute it. That's the idea behind it. The word grace means uh, free, unmerited, undeserved favor from God. It means God giving you what you do not deserve. That's God's grace. Every single person in this room is alive today because of the grace of God. You woke up this morning, you got out of bed, you have breath in your lungs because God is gracious to you. You didn't earn today. You didn't earn the privilege that you've been given. God is gracious to you. Most people uh, in this room uh, either drove a car, walked on their own, caught a bus or something like that to get to church this morning because of God's grace in your life. Uh, Hey, we woke up in a free country this morning because of the grace of God in our lives. I didn't do anything to deserve to be an American. I didn't do anything to deserve to be born in the greatest country that God's ever created in the history of mankind. I didn't deserve that, but I've been given grace by God. But the grace that I've been given, the grace that you've been given is not for yourself to keep and be selfish with. It's to spread around to other people around you. We live in a society today where it is not very gracious at all, and God commands us to be the the stewards of God's grace. As we take a look at this passage this morning, first of all, we need to see that we've received grace through Jesus. (coughs) You see, many of us, actually all of us, were born at odds with God. God has rules that he expects us to follow. We find those in the Bible. We've broken God's law. We've broken God's rules. We're guilty before God, every single one of us. And we don't deserve God to do anything for us because even after we know what we're supposed to do, we still act contrary to what God expects of us because in our nature, we are born sinners, the Bible says. All of us. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Every single one of us, God has a standard that he has set called perfection. Every one of us falls short of that. It doesn't matter whether you fall five feet short or five million miles short, we're all short of God's expectation. Because of that, the Bible says, because of our sin, the wages of sin is death. Because of our sin, we will be separated from God in a place called hell for all of eternity. I don't want to go there. I don't want you to go there. Believe it or not, God doesn't want anybody to go to hell. God loves you so much that despite your sinfulness, despite your rebellion, he loved you so much that he sent his son, Jesus, to die on your behalf. You were supposed to die, but Jesus came and died in your place. That's why Christmas is such a big deal for us as Christians, because it's the time that we celebrate Jesus came and was born, but he was born to die. His purpose for being born is the real reason we celebrate, The fact that a kid was born is a great thing, but the fact that that kid would grow into be a man who was God and would die in our place, that's all the reason in the world to celebrate. So you were supposed to die. You were supposed to be held responsible for your sin, but God held his son Jesus responsible for your sin. Jesus died in your place. The Bible says he took upon himself the sins of the world on the cross. And he died in our place, and he didn't just die He was buried and he rose again the third day of his own power. And he conquered sin, death, and the grave once and for all. 
And you and I have the opportunity to be forgiven of our sin, to receive something that we did not earn. You see, you and I can't be good enough to go to heaven. The Bible says it's by grace we are saved. You can't be good enough to go to heaven. I can't be good enough to go to heaven. We can't do enough good works to make our way to heaven. It's by God's grace and God's grace alone that we are saved. And Jesus extends to us the opportunity to have our sins forgiven. That's grace. Not because you're a good person, not because you deserve it, but despite the fact that you are a wretched sinner to the core, God loves you and is willing to forgive you because he is gracious. God's undeserved favor. You see, when we put our faith and trust in Christ as Savior, the Bible says that he saves us and forgives us of our sin. For every person in this room, there must be a time for you where you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and we're saved or born again. That's what the Bible says. Saved and born again mean the same thing. And it's a time in your life where you put your faith and trust in Jesus as your Lord and Savior and he saved you from your sins. That's why we say that Jesus saves. Jesus is the Savior of the world. He saves us from our sins. But it requires faith on your part. If if you're here today and you don't know for sure that your sins are forgiven, today you can put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and walk out here knowing that your sins are forgiven for now and forever. If you don't know for sure that heaven's your home, do that today. Because the only way that you can go to heaven is through Jesus. He says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Jesus is the only way to heaven. And Jesus doesn't give you heaven based on how good you are. He gives you heaven based on how good our Father is. And God gives us grace through Jesus Christ. You see, we're saved by grace. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 says, For by grace are ye saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. On Christmas morning, one of the greatest joys of a parent is uh, buying stuff for your kids and seeing them open it on Christmas morning. On Christmas morning, my kids don't get up and open their presents and go, oh, wow, this is great, Dad. How much is this going to cost me? Because they realize it's a gift. There's no price tag associated with this. Oh, this is great, Dad. What do I have to do to keep this gift that you've given me? You don't have to do anything. You just have to receive it. The Bible says that salvation is a gift of God. Eternal life is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. You see, if, if it was what we could do to get to heaven, then we could brag about how good we are. I could say, well, I haven't missed church in the last 52 weeks. How about you? Oh, well, I, I did this for the poor last week. How about you? Oh, I, I, was, I was faithful in this area. How about you? Hey, I read my Bible this week. How many hours did you pray for? And then it becomes a competition. The Bible says that all of us, fall short of God's glory. Every single one of us is undeserving and unworthy. And so if we want to compare anything, I guess we could compare our sinfulness, but that wouldn't do anybody any good either. The Bible says that we receive salvation, eternal life, by grace. But not only are we saved by grace, we're also kept by grace as well. You see, here's a great promise of God that when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, you are, were once an enemy of God, but now you're adopted into the family of God. And the great news about being adopted and being a part of a family is that now you are truly part of a family that you can't lose. That your salvation is secure for all of eternity. Everlasting life is good for everlasting. Eternal life is good for eternity just by very nature of the word itself. I want to make it simple for you. There's nothing you can do to lose your salvation, 
because there's nothing that you did to get your salvation. You didn't earn it, therefore your, your behavior didn't get it for you and your behavior won't uh, have you lose it. Uh, Jesus said in John chapter six, verse number 37, all that the Father giveth me shall come to me and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out for I came down from heaven not to do mine own will but the will of him that sent me and this is the Father's will which has sent me that all which he hath given me I should lose nothing but I should raise it up again in the last. And this is the will of him that sent me, that everyone which seeth the Son and believeth on him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up at the last day. Jesus said this, put your faith in me, and I promise you I'm gonna take you to heaven. And I don't know about you, but I don't believe that I can out the promises of God. I don't believe that my sin would negate a promise that Jesus has already made to me. Jesus goes on in John chapter 10 and says to them, I give eternal life, and they which shall never perish Neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and there's no man able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Jesus says this, I'm holding all those that have put their faith in me in my hand, and I am held in my Father's hand, and no one can pluck them out of my Father's hand. You and I are kept by the grace of God. You see, you have eternal life not because of what you've done or because of who you are. You have eternal life despite what you've done and who you are. Because it's grace. You see, grace and works are mutually exclusive from one another. Sometimes people think they can get to heaven by the good things that they do. The Bible says it doesn't work that way. Some people think maybe they can keep this gift that they've been given if they keep up the good works. It doesn't work that way either. Keep your finger here in uh, 1 Peter. We're gonna come back in a second, but turn over to Romans chapter 11, if you would. Romans chapter 11, verse number six. This is a, probably a verse you should circle, star, or underline in your Bible. Romans eleven six. Is a powerful verse, and it says, and if by grace, then it's no more works. Otherwise, grace is no more grace. But if it be of works, then it's no more grace. Otherwise, work is no more work. You see, Paul, as he writes to the Church of Rome here, is saying, hey, guys, it's one or the other. You can't have grace plus works for salvation. It doesn't work that way. If I say, hey, I've got this beautiful Bible that I'm gonna give to my friend Ron here. This is a beautiful Bible. I'm gonna give this as a gift to my friend Ron. Ron, this is a gift that I give to you today because I love you, because I care about you. But you have to be in church for the next 52 weeks, and if you miss one week, you gotta give it back. You say, that's not a gift. You're keeping Ron on the hook for good behavior. You got it. That's not a gift at all. Now Ron's working for it, and this is not a gift of grace. It's a gift of his works. If at any point you have to bring anything to your salvation other than your sin, like your church attendance or your baptism or your religion or uh, faithfulness to church and things like that, it's no longer grace, it's now works. And works never got anybody to heaven. Works has sent people to hell. Now, I say all of that to say this. You've done nothing to earn God's favor. You've done nothing to earn God's forgiveness. So, when we think of the way that God gives grace, we're to give grace the same way. When other people do us wrong, we have a choice. I can give them what's coming to them, or I can give them grace. You say, well, they don't deserve grace. Exactly, that's why it's grace. 
You see, it's easy to be nice to the people that are nice to you. It's easy to be kind to the coworker who's kind to you. It's easy to buy a, a Cheesecake Factory gift card for your, your coworker who you know is probably gonna get you a P.F. Chang's gift card, right? That's easy, right? That's not grace. Grace is giving people things that they don't deserve. It's that person who's always done you wrong, who's always been unkind. If you write a Christmas card to it on the back, you say, hey, I prayed for you this morning. I hope you have a great Christmas season. That's grace. Grace is those neighbors who get on your nerves and park in your parking spot and play their music far too loud and scream and yell and stay up far too late that they should, making too much noise. It's baking a plate of cookies and taking them over there and saying, hey, hope you guys have a great Christmas season. That's grace. You say, well, they don't deserve it. That's why it's grace. You see, the Bible commands us to extend grace. If you turn back to uh, First John, I'm sorry, First Peter chapter 4, we're commanded to extend grace. Again, if we see verse number 10, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another. Hey, if you've received grace, it's your job now to give grace to somebody else. You see, we want grace for ourselves, but we want justice for others. I don't know how many of you have ever had the opportunity to be pulled over uh, on the freeway by one of Honolulu's uh, finest uh, police departments, but uh, I have had the uh, privilege of, of having that happen before, right? And every time it happens, I want just a little measure of grace. Man, uh, several years ago now, I was, uh, I was driving on the H1, and as you know, seven lanes deep, just cars stopped like in a parking lot. Uh, and so I, I'm driving in the, the leftmost lane as I get closer up to the stadium and stuff like that, and I see cops pulling people over left and right. And I was like, yeah, get them. They're on their cell phones. They're talking. They're texting. They're messing around. Get them, right? And so I'm driving right along and stuff like that. And, I mean, traffic's moving at like three to four miles an hour. You're just rolling past these people, and I'm just sitting back there really smugly going, oh, yeah, write them up, write them up, get them, right? And I'm minding my own business. I'm not looking at my cell phone. I'm not touching my cell phone. And I, I roll past, I've got my window down, and the cop leans in and he goes, hey, pull over. And I was just like, what? Pull over. And I was just like, are you kidding? And he was like, I said pull over. Okay, fine. Once was enough, I'll pull over. And so I pull over to the side, and I do the, the incredibly responsible thing. I have my, my insurance, my registration, my safety inspection, my driver's license. I got all the little binder clip. I'm going to hand him just the binder clip, and you got everything that you need right there because I'm a law-abiding citizen. I've done absolutely nothing wrong whatsoever. I'm good here, right? You're just wasting your time, and you need to go back to catching real criminals because I'm good. And he says, Mr. King, you know why I pulled you over? I absolutely have no idea other than you think I'm a really nice guy and you wanted to hang out with me for a minute, you know? I have no idea, honestly. And he says, you're driving in the carpool lane. What? HOV lane, you gotta have two people or more in your car with you. Just like, this is an HOV lane? And he's like, yeah. Why do you think I pulled over all these other people? Oh, I thought they had done something else. I, I, I totally had no idea. I was totally oblivious to that, and I'm really, really sorry. Okay, I'll be right back. You're not going to write me a ticket, are you? Like, I didn't know. Like, I, I was totally oblivious. It's not like I was trying to get over. Or I, thought, like, I didn't know. I'll be right back. Come back with a $250 ticket. And you know what I said? Are you kidding me? $250? Well, you, 
You, saw, you see this? Sure enough, right by the sign, right? This is. Are you serious? And then I switched from wanting grace, like, hey, come on, don't write me a ticket after I've gotten the ticket. Then I flipped to what was it? Anger. Why don't you go out and catch some real criminals, huh? There's some drug addicts that sell drugs right down the street from me. I'll be happy to give you their address if you want to. Why don't you catch the guy that's running 80 miles an hour on the opposite side of the freeway? I'm a law-abiding, tax-paying citizen. I don't deserve this. Oh, man. How quickly we flip, right? I wanted justice for everybody else, but when justice came for me, I didn't want it. I wanted grace. And when I didn't get grace, I got mad about it, right? Again, we have a choice to extend grace to people or to give them what we think they have coming to them. You know what I should have done if I'd been a mature Christian in that moment? I said, hey, sorry about that. I'm an idiot. I'll pay the stupid fine. I'm sorry. And went on about my day. Did I? No. Why? Because I felt like I'd been done wrong. I felt like I deserved grace and everybody else deserved justice. Doesn't work that way. Believe it or not, nobody deserves grace. That's why it's grace. You and I get to extend grace to people. Why? Because we've received it first ourselves. Keep your finger here in 1 Peter. We're going to come back in just a second. Turn over if you would to Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18, we find a passage of Scripture where Jesus is talking about what happens when people do you wrong. Matthew chapter 18, verse number 21, Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother's sin against me? And I forgive him. Till seven times? Peter thought he was being really, really gracious. Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but seven times seventy. Therefore the kingdom of heaven is likened to a certain king which would take account of his servants. When he had begun to reckon tallied up everybody's bills. One was brought to him, which owed him 10,000 talents. That's about a year's wages. Uh, so the, uh, I don't know what the average uh, wage in America at this point is, probably something like $60,000, $70,000 a year, uh, which is, would be below the poverty level in Hawaii, but uh, that would be nationwide. Uh, but an, a year's wages is owed at this point. Verse 25, but for as much as he had not to pay, the Lord commanded him to be sold and his wife and children, all that he had to make a payment to, to be made. The servant therefore fell down and worshiped him, saying, Lord, I have patience with me, and I'll pay thee all. And the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and loosed him and forgave him the debt. Why? Because he cried? No, because the king was gracious. So he received grace in this case here. His debt was paid, was forgiven. Verse 28, but the same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence, and laid his hands on him and took him by the throat saying, pay me that thou owest. And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, have patience with me and I'll pay thee all. And he would not, but went and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Isn't this the perfect picture of the way you and I think many times? Oh, we've been given grace. God's let us off the hook. God's forgiven us. God's put our debt on his son and executed his son because of his love for us. But if somebody owes us something, we want to see people pay. That's the opposite of grace. Grace says, you didn't deserve what you got. Give them what they don't deserve as well. But oftentimes, we want people to get what's coming to them. You see, we can either be a scorekeeper or we can be a grace giver. You get to choose how you want to live life. 
I've known, I've had marriage counseling with couples before who no lie. The wife literally kept a notebook with all of their arguments, fights, and things that had gone wrong. You talk about destructive. Well, I remember, you know, three years ago, 2015, November, you said this. We were standing in the kitchen, and uh, I've never forgotten that. Man, rip that piece of paper up and burn it and forget it and be done with it. Being a scorekeeper will only cause you to have anger, frustration, bitterness against every single person that you know. And hey, let me just tell you something uh, and be really honest with you. You hang around who we call a Baptist church long enough, I'm gonna do something to disappoint you. I'm gonna say something that maybe is hurtful, not on purpose, just because I'm human. And when I do, I'm gonna ask you to do this. Would you just give me a little bit of grace? And if, if you say, hey, I really need to talk to you about this, let me know so that I can seek forgiveness and make that right with you. And we just extend each other grace. And hey, you know what? When you say or do something that disappoints me, I promise to give you a little bit of grace as well because that's what the Bible says. As we've received grace, we get to extend it to others as well. Matthew chapter five, just turn a few pages back in the book of Matthew, if you would. We find so many places throughout the, the Bible. The Bible's a story of God's grace from cover to cover. We can't take a look at one passage of scripture that talks about God's grace. There are literally hundreds of them. Matthew chapter five, verse number 38. Jesus said this, you've heard that it's been said, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. That would have been in Exodus chapter 21. But I say unto you that resists not evil, but whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. If he man will sue thee at the law, take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. Whoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain or two. Give to him that asks thee, and for him that would borrow of thee, turn thou not away. Jesus says, hey, you've heard an eye for an eye, but don't do that. If somebody hits you, just give them the other cheek and just move on. Now, we have to understand the context of what Jesus is saying here. He's saying, don't look to make things right every time they need to be made right. Don't be a crusader. Uh, the Bible says, vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. God's gonna settle everything. This doesn't mean you allow people to run over you and beat you up and stuff like that, and you just allow yourself to be taken advantage of. It's not what it means. It means just let God settle the score. You don't always have to settle the score. Let God handle that because it's not our job to be scorekeepers. It's our job to be grace givers. Turn back to 1 Peter, if you would. <clears throat> so we're to extend grace. How do we do this? First of all, we extend grace in how we love. Take a look at verse number eight. And above all things, having fervent charity. The word charity means love. The word fervent means hot, intense. So we are commanded by God, by giving grace, to love with intensity. We took a look at loving last week. It's important to understand loving is not how we feel. Loving is what we do. Loving is not an emotion that I have. Love is an action that I perform. And I can choose to love other people. And I'm to do that with great intensity, the Bible says. Interesting, this word fervent is only used twice in the whole Bible. It's used once in 1 Peter, and it's used a, a second time in the book of James, where he says, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And the idea is that we love not just casually, but we love with great intensity. That people might not agree with us on everything, but they'll never doubt our love for them. 
They might not necessarily see eye to eye on things when it comes to maybe religion or politics or uh, the way the world should be run or things like that, but they'll never doubt our love for them. Hey, I might not have enough money to buy everybody in the office a gift card uh, for, for Christmas, but they'll never doubt I love them because I wrote them a card and said, I'm thinking of you and praying for you. Love is a defining characteristic of a true follower of Jesus Christ. John 13, Jesus says, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have loved one to another. And friends, let me tell you this. I believe it would be God's will, God's plan that this place be the most loving, caring, friendly place on the entire island because we are a group of people who have received the grace of God and we get to extend it to other people. That's why I think it's so important that we uh, spend time fellowshipping together as a church family. It's one of the reasons why we have a long handshaking time so we get a chance to talk with our brothers and sisters and show love towards one another because love is a requirement of a committed follower of Jesus Christ. You see, love is sacrificial, not sentimental. Again, love has little to do with feelings and it has everything to do with action. How do I act towards other people? What do I say towards other people? And when it comes down to loving other people, you say, well, pastor, that person's not very lovable. That's why it's called grace. Well, that person doesn't deserve to be loved. You know what they've done? That's why it's called grace. Grace doesn't mean we have to be best friends with them. Grace does not mean that we have to invite them over to our house. Grace doesn't mean we have to uh, go have a meal with them. Grace means I'm going to treat them with love, honor, and respect, regardless of the way they treat me. You say, well, that's hard. Of course it is. That's why God's going to help us do it. Jesus says, you love people that love you. Congratulations, even the unsaved people do that. But I'm asking you to love the people who hate your guts. I'm asking you to pray for the people who despitefully use you. I'm asking you to take it up a notch because you're you're followers of mine. And I'm giving you my power to accomplish this. You see, love doesn't seek restitution for sin and wrong. 1 Corinthians chapter 13 Verse number four says, charity suffereth long and is kind. It envieth not, vaunteth not itself, is not puffed up, not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, thinketh no evil, rejoices not in iniquity, but rejoices in truth, beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. Charity or love never fails. You see, love doesn't seek to even the score. Grace doesn't seek to make things right. We live in a society today that wants to find uh, a way to make everything right and to make everything even, make everything equal. Life doesn't always work that way. And we as Christians can't be seeking to even the score with everyone. I was talking with our men this past week, uh, and he was talking about a dispute he had with one of the, the workers on his job site. And he said, this guy was yelling and cursing and stuff like that. And I told him, hey, you got to leave the job site. You can't, you can't talk like that on my job site. You're not welcome here. you got to leave. And he said, said, the guy reared back to punch me. And I'm, I'm like waiting to hear what happened. Like, did you deck the guy? Did you let him have it? You know, did you, did you throw down with him? Did you like tackle him and get him on the ground? You know, I'm thinking in my mind how this fight went. He reared back to, to punch me. And I was just like, yeah, what happened? And he goes, just tell me which side you want to hit. If you're going to hit me, just hit me and, and get out of here because you're not welcome here. I go, you said that? He goes, yeah. Oh, that's boring, right? (laughs) Why? Because grace isn't always exciting. 
Grace doesn't always have the ending that we want. Grace doesn't always give us the feeling of justice that we feel like we deserve. But you know what? If you really want justice, you really want what you deserve, you really want what's coming to you, I don't think you do. I think we want grace instead. And so as we receive grace, we get to give it to others. You see, grace is how we serve. Verse number nine, he says, using hospitality one to another without grudging. Grace is how we serve. We serve with hospitality. The word hospitality, we generally think of uh, maybe having someone in our home and uh, maybe making a, a meal or grilling burgers and having somebody over that might be hospitality, and that certainly could be. The word that's used here uh, in the Greek language, is, as Peter wrote this, is the word philozinio. And the, the word philo means brother, and the word zinio or zina means stranger. And this word hospitality literally means to make a stranger your brother. It's a fascinating concept. I'm gonna take a person who I don't know and immediately make them part of my family. That's what hospitality looks like. This is one of the ways that grace serves. This is one of the ways that grace loves. Hey, that coworker that really grinds your gears, why don't you see, like, hey, we should go grab lunch sometime and see what happens. You know what I've found oftentimes when people get on my nerves or frustrate me or unkind to me, and I just sit down and hear their side of the story, it begins to make a lot of sense. Got a lot of past hurt, a lot of disappointments, a lot of discouragements. A lot of times they feel like they've got the short end of the stick, and they act out in so many different ways. It just takes time to get to know them. And one of the ways we love is by getting to know strangers. Again, it's easy to love and show grace to the people who love and show grace to us. But grace is one of the ways that we serve. Next, grace is how we share the truth. Verse number 10, as every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. That phrase manifold grace of God means the way that the grace of God shows itself in so many different ways. The grace of God just wasn't shown to us in salvation. The grace of God was shown to us in the fact that, that God still loves us. The grace of God is shown to us in the fact that God gave us his word. The grace of God is shown to us in those that of us that are believers have the Holy Spirit inside of us. Grace was shown to you in the fact that you woke up this morning. Grace is shown to the fact that you have a church family that loves you and cares about you. All of this is grace, and God's grace didn't stop the day that you got saved. You just met amazing grace that would carry you the rest of your life and all of eternity too. That's what grace looks like. And so grace is how we share the truth with other people. You see, we share the truth as God's messengers. Every week of the world, our church goes out, and we uh, go from house to house throughout our neighborhood and inviting people to church and passing out invitations like this. Many folks will grab a stack of these and put them in their purse, and uh, as they go throughout the week, they'll just hand them out as they go. I usually try to leave these with every time we go to a restaurant. We'll leave a, a good tip with, along with this. If you uh, leave a bad tip when you go to a restaurant, I have some Jehovah's Witness flyers you can take with you. Uh, so <laughs> don't give ours out, okay? If you tip bad, don't give ours out. I'm halfway kidding with that. Um, but we take these and we just pass them out wherever we can. And uh, it was funny one time I had gone through the, uh, um, the drive-thru uh, at a restaurant and somebody had one of these sticking in the window. I said, hey, where'd you get that? They said, somebody came by earlier today and gave us one of those. I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Had another lady who had uh, uh, worked at a Domino's, the Domino's out by Fort Shafter. And she said, I was working. She said, I gave my, my coworker an invitation. She said, some guy just gave me one of those today. She was like, no way. 
And she was like, yeah. And she said, maybe the Lord's trying to tell you something. And one of our folks had gone in there and got a pizza and gave that girl an invite. And one of her coworkers gave her one the same day. Hey, I love stuff like that. You know what it is? We're just the messengers of God. We just have the truth that God's given and we're just passing along. What if people reject it? Hey, I'm gonna save you the trouble. There's a lot of people that are just gonna flat out reject it. But you find the one person that's really looking for hope. You find the one person that's really looking for truth. You find the one person who's just looking for a church family to, to, to plug into. Hey, I'm telling you this, it'll make every single bit of it worth it. But we have to actually go out and be his messengers. You see, we serve God in a way that points other people to Jesus. Paul says in Galatians 2.20, I'm crucified with Christ, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. Paul's dead. The only person that's alive in me is Christ. And anything good that gets done is because Christ is doing it. I believe every single person in this room should be the hardest worker at your workplace. You know why? Because it makes God look really good. I believe every single person in this room should be the spark plug wherever you go. Always a kind word, always a kind deed, always loving and giving and serving and investing. Why? Because that's what makes God look good. Why? Because we're stewards of the grace of God. We've been given grace. We now have the opportunity to give grace. How do we do this? How do we re-gift grace this year? First of all, mend broken relationships The Bible says, as much as lieth within you, be at peace with all men. Hey, it says, as much as you can, be at peace with everybody. There's some people who just don't want peace. (laughs) There are known people who just love drama. If there's not drama, they'll make drama. You know, it's not talking about those people. It's talking about people that you have anger towards, unforgiveness or bitterness towards. Christmas season's a great time to reach out and make those things right. So this person doesn't deserve forgiveness. I know, that's why it's called grace. This is a des- person doesn't deserve grace. I know, that's why it's called grace. Maybe it's just reaching out and saying, hey, I just want to let you know I was thinking of you and praying for you the other day. I'm sure I'm thankful for you. It doesn't have to be this big, huge meeting where you get together and drag out all the hurts of the past. It might just be sending a kind word, just saying, hey, just thinking of you and praying for you. I hope you have a great Christmas. Next, invest in healthy relationships. It's funny, I find Christians who really want to grow many times don't surround themselves with other Christians who are growing. Think about it this way. Let's say that I'm going to be uh, a bodybuilder, right? I'm going to be going to a bodybuilding show. and I'm, I know that's, it's, it's tough to imagine, uh, but just work with me here, okay? Uh, but imagine I want to get to be really big and buff and strong and super lean, like the, the guys where they go to shake your hand, they got veins popping out all down their forearms. I want that to be me, right? but I'm hanging around with a bunch of dudes who eat Oreos and watch Netflix all day, right? And every time I go out with them, they're just like, dude, you should totally have a slice of pizza. I know pepperoni pizza is your favorite. We should totally get one. And before I know it, I've plowed through a large pepperoni pizza, right? Hey, dude, you should totally come out with us tomorrow. We're getting McDonald's for for lunch. And I go and I have a 20-piece nugget and I get fries. And because I've already blown it all, I'm gonna go ahead and get myself a McFlurry with extra Oreo too. Right? You You begin to scratch your head and go, Okay, if you're really trying to be that guy, don't hang out with these guys, right? If you really want to be a strong Christian, stop hanging out with these guys and start hanging out with strong Christians, right? Hey, if I'm going to be a bodybuilder, I want to hang out with other bodybuilders. I want to find out what their workout plan is. I want to find out what they're eating. I want to find out, uh, you know, what tricks they have that have helped them in the past. I want to surround myself with other people in a healthy relationship. 
And so I want to encourage you, if you want to show grace to people, invest in healthy relationships, people that are going the same direction that you are. Next, it's important to understand when we extend grace, we give to others based on love and grace, not on merit. Again, if I give to people at Christmas time because they deserve it, that's not grace at all. But when I give, when I love people who don't deserve it, that's when I begin to see the grace of God work through me. And this is not something you can do on your own. You need God's help for this. Next, look for an opportunity to serve others. I don't know what that is, but lifting somebody else's load, being able to carry someone else's burden for them, finding some way to serve during this Christmas season. Next, give a word of encouragement. How many of you have ever had somebody say the right thing at the right time and it was just wind in your sails and you were like, oh, like a breath of fresh air. You have the opportunity to be that person. I try, I'm working on it. I try to give words of encouragement. Even when I go to a restaurant and I get lousy service, not that night at Jack in the Box, but uh, uh, sometimes I go to a restaurant and I get lousy service and I say, hey, I know you're super busy today, but you're doing a great job. My drink hasn't been refilled in the last 15 minutes, but you're doing a great job. Hey, look, why? Because I know everybody's going through a rough spot. And here's the thing you have to understand too. That person that totally gets on your last nerve that you work with or you go to school with or that you know, know this, that person matters to somebody else. That's somebody's son, that's somebody's daughter, that's somebody's husband, that's somebody's wife, that's somebody's kid, that's somebody's aunt, somebody's uncle. That's a person. And just give a little bit of grace Find something to encourage about. My wife helped me with this this past week. We were talking about something, and she says, you know what I do in situations like that? I just find something to be thankful for, and I just say that. And I go, really? She's like, yeah. She said, because I, in my mind, I'm thinking of a thousand and one negative things. And she goes, but I have to train my mind and my heart to find something positive in that person and just say it. And I was just like, whoa, that was huge. That's why I, I tell people sometimes jokingly, my wife is the pastor to the pastor. Uh, she like, she like gives, feeds me all the good stuff that, that, that I get to share. But I thought to myself, that helps me. Just an encouraging word goes so far. Next, open your home at Christmas time. Just saying, hey, we want you to come over and enjoy this Christmas season with us. I know many people don't have family here at Christmas time. It's a great opportunity to open your home and just say, hey, I'd like for you guys to come out and hang out with us for a bit. This is one way that we can show hospitality, and hospitality is showing love. It's showing grace uh, to other people. Finally, the most important way that you can share grace is share your faith with someone. That's it. Hey, do you know what Christmas is all about? Christmas is all about Jesus and why he came. You know why he came? Sometimes I'll ask people, do you, how much do you know about the Bible? And most people will say, I don't really know a whole lot about the Bible. Well, do you know why Christmas is such a big deal for Christians? I don't guess so, Santa Claus? Oh, no, that's not even getting started. Let me tell you why Christmas is such a big deal. And you have the opportunity to share your faith. On the back table every week, we have some, some booklets called Paid in Full. It's a really short book with really large print on really small pages, my kind of book. It talks about why Jesus is so important. It's a gospel presentation. You could take that and a $5 Starbucks gift card and say, hey, I got this for you for Christmas. I hope you can grab a cup of coffee and sit down and read this sometime. It's just a gift from me to you. That's showing grace. That's showing love to somebody at Christmas time. One of the most important things you can do is point people to the greatest source of grace. And that's Jesus Christ. So, whenever you're wronged this week, and let me just tell you this, it's not going to take long before that happens. 
before somebody cuts you off in traffic, before somebody says something unkind to you. And I had a guy this week, no lie. This, this hasn't happened to me in a really, really long time. I was on my way to the gym. Uh, it was about 6 a.m. I was on my way to the gym, and I was uh, driving behind this car. And the guy was driving, a, it was like a, a late 90s Z28. And I used to have one of those when I was in high school, and I was kind of checking it out and stuff like that. I was like, oh, that's nice. It was in really good shape, too. And the paint was all shiny on it. And I thought, man, that guy's taking good care of his car, man. And so I'm driving behind him and thinking that. And he gets up to a red light. I've been following him for a couple of lights. And uh, he gets to a red light, and he pulls over. He, he stops, and he puts his hazard flashers on. I go, oh, man, I mean, this car's probably 20 years old or something like that. Maybe he broke down or something like that or his car stalled. And so I'm going to pull up beside him and roll down my window to see if he needs help. I'll help him push it out of the way or if he needs to jump or something like that. I want to help out and stuff like that and kind of give me a chance to look at his car. And so I, I pulled over, and he gets out of his car. He's got his flashers on. He gets out of his car, and he starts cussing me. And I was just like, wait, what? And he was like, you can't be that close up on me. You can't ride me the way you've been riding me for the last three stoplights. You, and he started calling me names, and I'm just like, whoa, hey. Now, inside of me, I wanted to make things right. I wanted to say, hey, you want to get out of your car? I can get out of my car. And let me just tell you this. I know sitting in this car, I might look like a small dude, but I'm not a small dude. I'm considerably larger than this guy who hopped out of his car at 6 a.m. in the morning. And I thought to myself, I could totally take that guy. I could totally take it. <laughs> Local pastor caught for assault on the <laughs> Queen Street, 6 a.m. Mm. But I said, hey, man, I'm sorry. I'm super sorry if I was too close. No, you know, you're not going to. You know what I did? Just drove off. Man, I wanted to make it right. I really, really, I wanted to apologize. I wanted to, to tell him his car was awesome, right? But I couldn't make it right. I just had to move on. Sometimes at Christmas season and the rest of life, you can make things right, and sometimes you just need to move on. Just give grace, keep on moving. So this week, you're going to be done wrong. I promise you that. You can choose to give grace or try to make things right. I highly encourage you, don't try to make things right because they won't be right. I highly encourage you to be a grace giver this week. Maybe some of this applies to your own marriage. Maybe this applies to your own parenting situation. Be a grace giver, not a scorekeeper. Hey, you've received grace. Pass it on to somebody else this Christmas season.